0: Welcome to Blackbird, episode number 49. My name is James, and today I am thrilled to bring you a very special interview that I did with Mr. Shane Hazel. Shane is, of course, a multi-time candidate for statewide office in the state of Georgia. He's the host of the Radical podcast. You probably heard him on PQ, Tom Woods, and a host of other shows. And I wanted to have him on to talk about his framing of the military-industrial complex as a murder cult, and also just how the libertarian movement can be served by anti-war veterans. You know, and obviously, me being me, I'm going to ask him a bunch of biographical questions so that we can get his background as well. He served in the Marines for a number of years, and that is where he became an anti-war military member. He's got a great story, a great podcast, and he is a wonderful speaker, so I just wanted to have him on and have a chat. Before we get started with Shane, let me tell you about agorist tax advice. If you think back to episode number 23 of this show, you will remember attorney and tax specialist, Matthew Sersley. He wants to help you find ways that you can legally avoid paying some of your taxes. Matt is an agorist and a libertarian whose goal is to cost the IRS and federal government money and help you save yours. He provides advice nationwide for federal taxes and also state-specific advice in the state of Texas. Matt Sersley is the agorist tax attorney and you can find him at agoristtaxadvice.com blackbird. Once again, that is agoristaxadvice.com slash blackbird to sign up for your free consultation today. And with that, here is my conversation with Shane Hazel. Shane, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me.
1: Well, thank you for having me on. Uh, yeah. Real pleasure. Appreciate it.
0: Good to see you again. All right. So for the, the handful of people who might not know who you are, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself?
1: For I was audience. thinking about that. Somebody said that last night, man. And I was like, man, that's crazy, right? Like, to, it, it's weird to be in this position where a lot of people are, are, are like, they know. Um, yeah, my name is Shane Hazel. I run the podcast radical. Um, was the uh, libertarian down here in Georgia that got blamed for spoiling the race for the Republicans. Um, and I've run uh, another U.S. uh, uh house race, uh, as a Republican before that, where I tried to, to kind of do, um, you know, some asymmetric warfare and some psyops and, and, and see if, there was any saving grace to the Republican Party, and mm. uh, I was just wrong, uh, it, it, and and so many things with that. But you know, v- valuable life uh, lesson. Um, obviously, uh, back in, in late in my past when I had my revelation, uh, I was a Marine, I served with the uh, Force of Constance. And I say served, uh, served. You know, the guys we talked about the murder cult, <laughs> right? Like it wasn't uh, service to anybody that loves you know life, liberty, and property, or any of those things, but. Uh, yeah, it was. Um, that's that's kind of my background. Um, just a you know pretty normal guy that's tired of a whole lot of the things that I'm kind of intense. So like it's you know it's getting to that point where I think you got to be loud and you got to you know talk about peace and you got to talk about principle and you know if you're hoping somebody else is going to go out there and secure you know your life, liberty, and property for you, man, you're totally mistaken.
0: So, why do you run as a libertarian rather than a Republican? I know you, you kind of said it's a bit of a shit show, but uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit?
1: Well, so I, you know, I, I did run as a Republican, um, and a lot of what I was, you know, thinking uh, at the time, I couldn't even say right. Like, I mean, I had a in my first run, I you know, I couldn't talk about drugs. I couldn't, mm-hmm. you know, I couldn't talk about uh, criminal justice reform. Like, it was, you know, you go into these rooms, and if you start talking about these kind of things. Um, you know, it was like you were spitting on somebody's religion and, you know, it's just like, you know, don't go in there and, and talk truth to a lot of things. And that really has a a dampening message, not to mention, um, you know, when you go in there and you do talk about these things, maybe not in front of the whole room, but if somebody else is, you know, there are a lot of people in the Republican party that are all about a lot of rights, but they vote for people that aren't kind of thing. Um, so you have these great conversations and you make great, you know, headway with these people, but as soon as you get to more of the the quote unquote leadership, man, it goes south fast, right? I mean, it's like, Oh man, you can't do that. You can't talk about this. Uh, the the whole, um, you know, kind of this buffer around it in the political, um, industry, really, it's tells you what you can and cannot do to be successful. And if you, touch those you know you know the third rails right is what they call them for a reason It's like boy get ready and and and, and that and those parties if you don't stay within those bounds you're going to be a nobody like you're going to be this person that they stab in the back that they hate that they talk about that they you know call names and everything else and you know do everything in their power to not only dissuade you but to you know to really dishearten, right and i mean I always talk about, you know, Democrats, so they'll just come up and knife you right in the stomach. It's the Republicans that talk about, you know, rights and liberty and, and how America is amazing and free and all this other stuff. They will stab you right in the back and, you know, high five their buddy and laugh as they walk off, right? Like that's, that's the Republican Party. Um, and I, I knew it wasn't salvageable after that. And I was just like, wow. Like to, to have been who I was in that position, you know, a guy who was a constitutionalist, the guy that knew everything about the Constitution um, and to be, you know, a Marine combat vet on top of it and, a, you know, kind of a home, uh, you know, a hometown guy. Like at the same time, it was just like, boy, you know, if, if I was if I was voting, um, that would have been the guy that I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm glad he's in this race and I don't care if he is the underdog. Like that's the guy. But um, that's that's uh, that's not what they are. And so after that, man, I just decided, you know, this is it. Like I'm done. I can't. I can't do this. It's too big of a machine.
0: I think, uh, one of the most heroic things you've done is here recently where you, you've gotten the mayor and like the, is it the sheriff or the chief of police on the phone? And, uh, can you tell that story a little bit? It's it's Uh, actually, 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 I was, I was listening to that podcast when we were in Pennsylvania together. So I was actually able to to talk to you in person about it, which is kind of cool. But,
1: uh, yeah, I mean, that it's, it's funny. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago. Um, you had this one of my, my, my friend, a guy I consider a brother. Um, He's also my jujitsu instructor and and my kids instructors. So he's driving along, he's black and he has a brand new, uh, you know, 2021 Lincoln navigator and he's going through Holly Springs and Holly Springs is just a little town South of where I live uh, out here. And these guys are notorious for sitting on the interstate and, and grabbing people going by and pulling people out of cars and, you know, really escalating traffic uh, violations, right? So in this case, um, he just dropped off. They gave him kind of this, you know, loaner, you know, vehicle for his, you know, Lincoln Navigator. Mm -hmm. And he's driving home. I mean, literally had just dropped it off. And I'm on the phone with him, uh, gets pulled over for absolutely no reason. Uh, Basically, he's got the dealership tags on the back and he's rolling through an area where they like to use civil asset forfeiture. And so they pull him over and they, you know, basically make him prove his innocence, right? Like he has to basically show papers. There's no ticket. There's no warning at the end of the exchange. Everybody goes away. Thank God. But you know, like I, I know his heart and I know like, he was like, dude, what are you pulling me over for? Right? Like he didn't say that he said, you know, at the end of the the conversation, he says, he's like, not everybody hates you guys to the cop. And I like to be the bigger man and to like try to, I don't know, get out of that situation and say something to happen like that. Yeah, I'm sure that just ate at him a little bit, right? Just, just a little bit. So I called the corporal, the guard that day. Um, and he said, you reviewed it and called me back. So it was a good stuff. I was like, cool. I'll talk to uh, your chief on Monday. And that's when the, you know, the tape conversation came in. Um, and you know, it's pleasantly, you know, I, I didn't cuss at him. I didn't swear at him. I didn't even yell at him. I just questioned him. Um, mm-hmm. And got to the point where I was like, Hey, man, are you pulling people out of your car, out of cars and making them prove their innocence in Holly Springs? He's like, you're not going to talk about, you know, my officers like this. You're not going to disrespect us. And then he hung up on me after about, you know, 10 minutes for the conversation. So I went and got in touch with the mayor and told him that if he doesn't at least sit down and have a conversation about, you know, pulling people over, uh, and making them prove their innocence, uh, for, you know, and exercising civil asset forfeiture that, I was going to bring my entire audience and everybody else that I could bring and mobilize to his doorstep. And on top of it, was going to request a grand jury because this is like this kind of stuff that's got us like that's where I'm at. Like, I'm just like, all right, you know, like the fight's local. And if you can, if you can have these fights with your, you know, and really a fight. You know, if you can get to a mayor, you can get to your sheriffs and you can have these conversations and spell it out for them, even within constitutional language, mm-hmm. um, right? It, it's, it's very easy to start maybe making some headway. And so they're actually reviewing a, um, uh, a procure, uh, uh proclamation that I wrote that basically, you know, lists why this is unconstitutional first and foremost. And now we're looking at, you know, repealing civil asset forfeiture within Holly Springs so that they will never exercise civil asset forfeiture ever again. And, you know, to like to be on the verge of something like that, where we can replicate it and grab the other mayors within, you know, our Cherokee County uh, up here and the sheriff and just start to work and chip away at these things um, through the executive. It's just, I don't know, it, it, it makes a ton of sense to, to be able to do that kind of thing in, in this time where, you know, things are crazy and you know, I think people see it and it's, you know, it's just de-escalation. Hey, you know, it's an easy sell. You guys and your officers, the guy that died a couple of weeks ago, that didn't have to happen. And we're, we're not a better community because your officer died and that kid over there died because you guys escalated the situation. It was completely preventable. So, you know, to, to have this hot iron right now, um, and be talking about peace and bringing the community together, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's starting to happen a little bit. And I, I've kind of been in this gray zone for a while, but I'm starting to lean back into that, you know, this optimistic area again, because I think people are fighting out of the prison now.
0: I think so too. And lots of different areas. Do you think that you were able to get through to the chief and the mayor because of your profile as a Senate candidate? Or was it, is that just something people can do in a small town? I think if,
1: I think if you special like if you've been there for a while you probably got a really good chance of being able to do that. I think it's being able to mobilize large groups of very um you know very strong people. And I don't mean it like you know like just numbers and money. What I what I'm talking about is like this is the community like this is you know he's a jiu-jitsu instructor. He's created this you know this community within our community that doesn't know, you know, divide, right? Like yeah. we're fi- we're family, like our kids roll together, we roll together, um, we spend, you know, holidays together, we spend birthdays together, you know, we're, we, we're a family and that's a family full of people that can murder, you, right? Like, <laughs> and I'm not, I, I don't I don't mean that, but like literally if you go to a jiu-jitsu tournament, right? Like you've got a room full of black belts and, and jiu-jitsu uh-huh. black belts, I mean, they can... Straight up, and everybody is super well behaved. They're just super polite, but at the core, man, those people are warriors. And to you know, to bring you know veterans and all that kind of stuff together into this push of say, hey, we're we're real peaceful people, but you got to leave us alone, right? Like this isn't what you're supposed to be doing, and you're going to piss off the wrong people. And we're we're like, we're literally, really, really asking you, please leave us alone because we don't want this to escalate further. And I think that really, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, if a bully thinks he's going to get hit in the mouth, um, he's a lot less likely uh, to, to pick on people.
0: Mm-hmm. Have you considered running for sheriff or some other local office?
1: I, I think, you know, it's probably always been the long term. I think that's the office that I actually want to win, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't see, you know, the end the, the roads in terms of power and, and a seat at the federal level. Uh, maybe not even at the state level, you know, running for governor, but, you know, to to one day be able to scale back into my community that I've maybe helped, you know, push some some proclamations through for liberty and then go, you know who the guy behind that was? That was him. So when it comes time to running for mayor or sheriff or something like that, it's maybe kind of a slam dunk. And that's when you really start to you know be able to influence maybe the sheriffs around you. Mayors around you, maybe an entire region, and so that's you know I think what I'm I've got planned in my head one day is going to work, um, but it's 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 a process you know it's yeah. we'll see.
0: That's really cool. That actually gave me goosebumps. I think I think sheriff's the most important elected position for libertarians, in my opinion. Uh, I, I got and I got that from Jason Stapleton years and years ago. He used to he used to talk about that all the time. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's switch gears. So, what's the murder cult? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: man. So this gets misconstrued a lot. So I appreciate the opportunity to, to sit here and, and actually define what it is. Um, I, being a, a, a giant fan of the prophets of the Anti Federalists, right? Um, mm. Yeah. They open up with the first, I don't know, three, four, five uh, Anti Federalist papers, and they talk about the aristocratic combination. Um, and and how you know the, the Constitution was a coup of the United States by the, the aristocratically connected you know the, the banks, the corporations, the government, so that they can you know really control and and print on top of that. So when when you look at you know this as this is the top echelon of the greatest industries, including government, that there possibly is. So it's it's your it's your cabal. It's mm-hmm. it's this unholy alliance where they, you know, have monopolized force and use it to their advantage over regular people. And you know, it's got, I, I define it as a cult because it's got all the trappings of religion. Um, you know, we have sacred documents in terms of uh, the Constitution uh, and the Bill of Rights. We have, uh, you know, a clergy. We have, you know, saints and we have, you know, people The, you know, the, the, the lords and um you know the the commoners and all this kind of stuff and you just you've got sacrifice like no kidding human sacrifice on top of everything and it's just you know you've got symbols like the flag and yeah. you've got mantras and you've got chants and you've got this entire you know quote unquote moral system um based around a monopoly of force that says you owe us allegiance you know and they you know it's it, it's the craziest thing in the world I me mean, in 2021 that people can't just sit there and, and take a step back from the Democrat Republican debate and go, Oh yeah, yeah, we got bigger problems, right? Like it's, it's pretty evident that, you know, it's not just these guys and it's not just, you know, this group or that group. Like it was, I, I, that's, I didn't think aristocratic combination went far enough um, because of the slaughter of innocent life around the planet. And, and even here in the United States, I mean, to have a prison population, I think topping 2 million now being the most incarcerated, uh, you know, free country on on earth it's uh it's kind of a it's a bizarro land i was thinking about driving home to this you know tonight i was just like man things feel weird right now man and and it's because there's more of their control than than we've ever seen
0: i saw a chart the other day and you know i mean it's a meme but it's put out by police the police so it's probably pretty accurate uh showing the the difference between the budgets for like the nypd and the lapd and the chicago pd like all these big cities police departments and like the entire armies of these tens of millions of population countries like a nypd has a six billion dollar budget the military of vietnam has a 5.5 billion dollar budget it's just such an outsized difference it's insane so why murder cult that's so provocative it's the most accurate description
1: I've got, right? Like, I mean, yeah. these guys literally murder people and it's, it's democide. It's not just like ones and twos. Sure. They get their ones and twos and they, you know, the, the criminal justice system being what it is with qualified immunity and everything else, like they're not going to stand trial. And if they do, you know, if it's a highly publicized you know, case, you know, maybe one in a hundred will actually, maybe not even that, but you know, you know, what being fair is like maybe one in a hundred will see the inside of a jail cell and at a reduced sentence. It's just it's gotten to the point where, you know, the police have become, you know, judge, jury, and executioner, they, you know, and the thing is is it's like it's not like the uh the rank and file is necessarily the blame, kind of like the military, because, you know, if you've never heard the ideas and the principles of liberty and you've just been indoctrinated your entire life since the age you were five. Um, it's, you know, this, you've got this kind of this hangover. America mm-hmm. is star spangly awesome. And I think you're probably questioning it at this point. Uh, I think, you know, that's why spousal abuse and all that kind of stuff in terms of the executive branch is, you know, through the roof. It's why suicides are through the roof. You know, it, it's, it's all of those things. But yeah, murder cult was just the most accurate description, uh, that I, I could possibly give these people. Um, and, kind of stuck, you know, it's, I'm not trying to be provocative. I'm just trying to be accurate.
0: It feels like America as a culture, I mean, from the Puritans on, has always had a fascination with, with death and like, just really, really violent, punitive measures, whether it's against, you know, your local criminal or against Saddam Hussein's people. What do you, where do you think that comes from?
1: That is a great question. Um, You know, I, I think it comes from a lack of, um, a lack of empathy, a lack of patience, a lack of, you know, positive communication. And, you know, there, there is evil in the world. I don't know what it is, but a lot of times, you know, very narcissistic people are actually very good at talking, right? Cause they, maybe they talk yeah. more. And the thing is, is, you know, is once they get a little bit of power at that point, things start to slip out of control or they make, uh, you know, some sort of justification for the use of force or stealing or whatever the case is, and man, by the by, the end of it, you know, you've got somebody who's justifying, you know, sticking needles in people or you know, taking taking them and throw them in the cage or killing them because they got a plant or whatever. You know, it's yeah. like there's a there's a billion cases out there why uh, you know people have been either harassed or caged or killed. And, you know, what's the old saying is, like, there's no law too petty that the government won't take your life for it. And a lot of those are instituted by banks. A lot of them are instituted by corporations, you know, that are paying, you know, to, to have legislation and bureaucracy pass for their advantage over their competition.
0: Do you think that things are getting better from a violence standpoint, uh, maybe a state-imposed violence standpoint, or uh, are, are they getting worse?
1: I feel, I feel like they are getting more well-known. I think they have gotten worse from the state side. Um, I think it, 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 it's a weird thing. I mean, you read, you know, like Rise of the Warrior Cop, and like there's no arguing that, you know, it's especially in our lifetimes, right? Like since the since the 80s, the amount of interaction and bad interaction between yeah. the, the public and police, uh, which is government, obviously, that that has gone up just through the roof and it's because they've, you know, taken a lot of, you know, peaceful people and criminalized them. And that's, you know, that's where we've really messed up and I think that's probably what fuels the violent nature of what America is because at some point, you know, peaceful people can only push get pushed so far. And so when you see people, you know, retaliate whether it's been their life that's been destroyed because of a job or because their family has been killed or, you know, whatever the case, You know, it's like, man, those people have reached their their last straw. They've been, you know, probably used and abused one too many times by this. And that's, you know, that's getting more and more common uh, just because of the amount of bureaucracy that there is.
0: Yeah. You know, L.B. Muniz, I don't don't know if you're familiar with him or not, but he was a recent guest on the show, many-time guest on the show, actually, and he pointed out that he's a traveling salesman, and when he's been driving around the country, and particularly in the Midwest, which is kind of his territory, he's noticed that um, flags are changing. People no longer have American flags on their bumpers. Now they have, uh, you know, Gadsden flags and blue, uh, thin blue lives flags, and um, sometimes uh, but... rainbow flags. <laughs> a lot of times it's a it's a it's a thin blue line and a Gadsden flag. Yeah, and the and the and the uh, fucking what's it's not predator. What's the name of that? What's the name of that? Oh, the Punisher. Punisher. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. Uh, what are usually cops? <laughs> what, what do you other than other than the obvious? You know contradictions between "don't tread on me" and also "tread on me harder." Tre- <laughs> <laughs> right. What uh, What do you make of that? The the kind of mm, tribalism, right? Yeah.
1: Like uh, we're we're finding we're like we're we're getting back into corners, man. We're yeah. naturally we're finding our own. Um, You know, there's the blue flag for us. A lot of times, it's got some versions out there. There's you know there's the anarchy flag. There's you know the black and yellow. You know that you see even Antifa, you know, they've got their own flag as well. It's, what What's happening is, you know, we're in the middle of a revolution. And, you know, until, uh, you know, last night, somebody pointed it out to me, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, this is, this could go sideways pretty fast. And especially when, you know, people start to go, oh, we can't come in there and we can't do those things. And we're also switching money at the same time into like things like crypto. Um, That's, you know, that's, When things happen. I mean, I was just actually reading uh, Federalist paper or Anti Federalist paper number 37 the other night. And they're like, basically, warning, warning, warning. When you switch um, currencies, a lot of times that is followed by civil war. And yeah, I mean, like these guys, you know, they've nailed it a million times. So it's just like, going like Hey guys, uh, try peace for as long as absolutely possible. But yeah. I think we're backing into our, our tribal corners, man, where we, where we feel comfortable, where our, uh, our culture is honored and we can, you know, we think we can live in peace basically. I think it's kind of where we're at, but, uh, I think there are a lot of communities out there that are, you know, ready, prepared, and almost chomping at the bit, uh, to go kinetic. Mm-hmm. Which boy? I'll tell you what. If there's if there's anything I have to say to anybody out there that's thinking about going kinetic, is dumb. not uh, That's what the state wants. And as soon as you go kinetic, that removes this this buffer that we have. Uh, that you know, time uh, equals distance, and distance equals safety. Kind of deal uh, is is what you're kind of taught in the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. And so, the the idea is, hey, stay peaceful, peaceful. You know, if you stay peaceful, it gives you more time, and that equals you know, more safety for us to try to at least up our numbers in that amount of time or unite with other tribes that are saying, hey, you know, like, we see what you're saying. And the, the, the last thing that we can have is an all-powerful, you know, central government.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think there's hope of getting out of this nonviolently?
1: I, I think there is um, for the most part. Uh, And and I got to hope that there is like right now, I I think what you're seeing, um, and this is where I changed my mind to last night a little bit is, you know, this has always been a prison. This country has always been a prison um, for most people one way or another, Um, you know, whether it's through debt or through school or whatever the case is, you know, just you live and you serve other people's interests and you pay other people that have not contributed you know, a damn thing to, you know, your success in life or your life, liberty and property. And, you know, any, any culture, uh, or people or tribes or anything like that. Um, that's a, that's kind of a a place where, you know, it, you have to kind of qualify it as a, a, a prison type of country. And so I think what you're seeing now is a lot of people, you know, very much led by libertarians going, Hey, we found the exit. We got it. We know we can do this, and you guys want to come with us? Like, like we're the people that are putting out a hand right now, saying we we've, we've got the key, mm-hmm. and there's enough of us. And if we rush out of here right now, we got this thing. You just got to be brave enough to take that first step, and then take another, and another, and another. And it comes with education, which obviously doesn't happen overnight. Um, but you know, I think as you get through kind of the bell curve. Early adopters, and then you got your wave that um, comes at the you know the the onset of that sloping up to the you know you know the, the top of that bell curve. I think we're rapidly getting out of the early adopter stage now, and I think what we're getting um, is more or less the, the masses are starting to see what's going on.
0: So, do you think all the infighting that we're seeing is a symptom of that inside the LP? Moment. Well, in the, well, sort of the LP versus Agoras versus Phil Bishop's kind of resurrection of the Guardian sure. strategy, all of that.
1: Yeah. You know, it, it is growing. It is, we are seeing the, the better ideas rise to the top where you can be consistent across the board. Right. And that's really what it's about is are your principles consistent all the way across the board? And if they are, I don't care if you're Phil Bishop, uh, or Eric Brakey or, or, you know, Tom Woods or Dave Smith, right? Like, at the end of the day, like if you're, if you're fighting and you're working for liberty, I'm cool with whatever you're doing because you're talking to somebody that you think you can talk to mm-hmm. Well, I'm talking to people that I think I can talk to. Now, if people look at me and go, man, I can't stand you know, the, the F-bombs and the cussing and all that kind of stuff, they're like, hey, man, I'm not trying to reach you. That's like, those are maybe those yeah. guys over there, right? And, and these are good people and they're, they're working their butt off. We just have different visions. We've got different backgrounds. We've got different tribes. And that's okay, but I I can exist with those bishops tribe, right? Like they're going to let me exist. I'm going to let them exist. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and we're going to try to do this stuff in peace. It's those tribes that are sitting there going, no, you got to do what we want you to do. Like take the vaccine, take three shots, you know, mask (laughs) up again. And, and, you know, oh yeah, Delta plus and all this other bullshit. They're like, no, man, like you guys are cool. Take your vaccines, wear your mask. I don't give a shit. Social distance, stay home. I don't care. Like, but, um, I think, you know, it's, it's just part of our, our nature. I think as people that haven't learned how to positively, you know, communicate with each other. And it's, it's another wrinkle in the idea that you have liberty figured out, right? Like at the end of the day, I can say, I think I got liberty figured out, but maybe I don't for some people. And so it's, it's more or less, I look, I, I, I don't think I have it totally figured out. So you go do your kind of liberty. You let me do my kind of liberty mm. and, you know, maybe keep your shitty opinions to yourself. Like uh, in terms of, in terms of strategy.
0: Yeah. Well, in terms of strategy, and then also, I mean, just the the people who are so exclusionary, like the Mises caucus is kind of a, what insurgent force inside of the Libertarian party. And holy cow, that is very resented by the people who feel like they've built up this party. And, and here you come trying to shit on our, on our little party. I mean, that's what it yeah, is. Yeah. I but, mean,
1: we, we, We have our own messaging. Um, and it's a, it's, you know, it's, it's not decaf. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's a 20 ounces of Red Bull, you know, and maybe a line of cocaine. And, you know, and I don't mean like, I don't mean that to disparage, you know, anybody in the Mises caucus. I love that energy. I, I love the fact that there is, you know, absolute outrage at what I consider the murder cult. I think there's, you know, crimes against humanity that are happening all over the world right now and it can kind of be a scary place for a lot of people to sit there and voice those types of opinions not only because they fear retribution um, but they fear you know social retribution and things like that and that's that's i get it trust me not everybody you know is going to throw you know throw the gloves on and say let's let's mix it up a little bit and that's okay like it's just you know there's going to be bomb throwers and then there's going to be those people that are just brilliant at being able to communicate Ideas further, right, and, and take it. Maybe, okay, you're not quite over there with the bomb throws and the Mises caucus. That's okay, man. We got other things to do over here, right? Like, and they're cool with us doing that. So, I, I, I really hope that's what it's starting to come to.
0: It's what it seems like. Um. So i I was using the the murder cult language in an internal chat the other night, and uh, it was not well received by by well one person in particular. You know, I. Uh, I get it. Like it's really incendiary language if you're not like in our circles. But on the other hand, I mean, I I would expect libertarianism at the very bare minimum to hate war and hate, you know, raining down death upon people. I was treated with a lot of things that you hear from military veterans, not necessarily libertarian ones. I've never experienced it from from them in the past. But I'm wondering, are things like, uh, where, where you, you say like, oh, I bet you've never even left this country. What do you, what can you possibly know? How can you have an opinion? Is that, is that kind of thing? Like, do they, is that part of training? Like, is why, why do so many people say that?
1: Yeah, man, I'll tell you, you know, there are things that it's not officially published or anything, but right. Like, especially in God, God bless them. I mean. I'm not here to disparage, you know, people who are, you know, who signed up out of, you know, the patriotism and indoctrination that they were given, right? Like that's not it. But here's the: they need to also understand that, hey, man, you have been indoctrinated, you have, and and like since you were five, right? You probably never really, you never heard of the ideas and principles we're talking about, and that's okay, man. Like I don't hate you, like I'm not, like that's not it, and I don't expect you to to get it, especially you know in a short time span. Um, what I'm going to tell you is what my perception is. And so when they're like, um, you know, and, and can I cuss on your show? Yeah. By all means. Yeah. You know, you'll hear a lot of times like, and and fuck that bitch because, you know, he's never done shit. You know, his, his girlfriend or wife is over there getting stuffed by Jody when he's gone because he's not a man. And like, and I mean, just, you know, some of the most degrading, like, Just because you never put on a uniform or you never went to combat or, you know, whatever it is. And that's the thing is you have everybody from, you know, guys in the infantry who were kind of badasses. And, you know, that's what that's what the infantry is supposed to be uh, to you guys that shuffle papers and make sure you get paid. And a lot of times it's it's worse from the supporting, you know, parts of, <laughs> you know, that. So I mean, seriously. I mean, you want to talk about dudes that will go out there and, and wear the grunt style shirts and all that. A lot of times, it's not your combat vets, man. A lot of times, it's the the support that you know is just clinging to something that they thought was meaningful once in their life, and you're just like, dude, you didn't even leave the wire. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? And and, then, and like, it's easy for me to say these kind of things because you know, been there and done that, and I'm like, dude, like. This hard ass bullshit like it's 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 telling. It's not it's not a badge of honor, it's not any of those things when you know when you wish un, you know, when you wish bad things to other people or don't think other people's opinions count because you know they haven't been in the military, like man, you you've got the a real making for an authoritarian regime with that mm-hmm. kind
0: of language. I don't know if this is QAnon or what, but there's a there's a conspiracy theory. So the whole thing is that Biden was never actually installed in the White House. He's living in Atlanta out of Tyler Perry's movie studio. Uh, (laughs) And he's got the army backing him. And Trump is actually like running a shadow cabinet backed by the Marines, splitting his time between San Angelo, Texas and Mar-a-Lago, Florida. What do you think? Is that... (laughs) that (laughs)
1: <laughs> i love and here's the thing is like i wish they made movies as you know like if if they took the plots in of, of qanon and they made movies they'd be yeah. fantastic movies right like i yeah. mean it, it's so much good you know conspiracy theory and, and i'll tell you what people that don't like conspiracy theories man like i don't know like i love conspiracy theories just because it's kind of a fun exercise right You're like could it happen well, maybe right but no i i, I don't know man like Here's the thing, like my my prediction is, I think Trump was a New York Democrat. I think he always was a New York Democrat. I, you know, when when you look at his actions, yeah. the fact that he's got all the red blooded truckers and you know patriots and you know you know the cops and everybody else just going, yeah, man, this guy's a Republican. This is, this is a Republican. And you're like, dude, that guy's a New York Democrat. Like, yeah. What the fuck are you talking about? He's he's, he's pro spying. He's anti gun. He, you know, he put Fauci in charge forever. He, you know, he backed up with, you know, he. he's the guy that launched Warp Speed for the vaccines. And I don't know, you just look at it and you, you guys can't see it because it looks plain as day, not to mention, I mean, like the Clintons were at his, his, uh, uh, you know, his mar you know, place like joking yeah. around, you know, they've got their arms around each other's wives. You know, it looks like at one point that, you know, Donald Trump had slapped, uh, you know, Bill Clinton in the dick in one of those pictures. <laughs> so, like he says, like my game, you know, or something like, like these guys go back, they've got a history yeah. and you don't invite people like the Clinton, if <laughs> you're them, and they're all tied to Jeff Epstein. And, you know, they're all tied to people like Oprah Winfrey and who are the dudes over there? Um, you know, who's the other guy that was convicted out of Hollywood? Uh, you know, real scumbag. Oh, Weinstein. Weinstein, yeah. right? Like these people are sick gross people that are all yeah. the same thing. And I don't think they give the keys to the white house to somebody they don't want in the white house. It's kind of where I'm at. Like mm-hmm. this, this passed on around, I think, you know, it just illustrated to everybody. That, yeah, man, it's, it's kind of a rigged thing these days. And you know, what are you going to do about it is yeah. I, I think that's kind of, you know, that was the, um, the goad, right. They, they tried to get people to actually really do something and maybe they thought that, you know, January 6th was going or supposed to be that day where they did something and they couldn't provoke it then. And mm-hmm. I think they're desperate. You know, I call people terrorists now. I'm just like, wow,
0: what? Yeah. I don't think it's a coincidence that Trump was the biggest star on television when Jeff Zucker was running NBC. And then lo and behold, Jeff Zucker takes over CNN and all of a sudden, Trump's the biggest star on television again. It just so happens to be on the news and not on an you know, entertainment channel.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's and, and, and here's the other thing is, he gets kicked off of Twitter. Maybe he's yeah. tired of Twitter, man. Like yeah. I hate Twitter. Like, are you kidding? Are you going to suspend me from Twitter? You just made my life so much easier.
0: I would make so much more money if I wasn't spending hours a day on Twitter, man. You're not kidding. I don't know if I want to take this to how can libertarians better relate with veterans or how can veterans better be libertarians. Yeah, why don't you riff on that? What What, what can I, a non vet, do to bring more vets into the party or the movement? Uh,
1: I'll tell you what, man, it's a proud tribe, um, too, maybe too proud. And I will say that like, you know, as a, as a guy that was a vet, you know, like it's, that's a rough pill to, to be like, yeah, man, I maybe did some really horrible shit that I'm never going to forget. And, or, you know, like, and they just, they can't take it. Right. They, they won't take it. They especially won't take it from a civilian, um, or <laughs> I, in, in, I noticed. Yeah, oh in, indoctrination <laughs> reasons. Right. Um, and so Maybe point them to guys that, you know, have, you know, and and say, hey, you know, maybe go have a conversation with this dude. Because I'll tell you right now, I've whacked the hornet's nest of status veterans multiple, multiple times. I've gotten docs over the past week. Like, it is insane. Um, Some of the hate in the, uh, you know, the thing is, is they're very directed. A lot of them are retired. They've got pensions. So they got a lot of time on Twitter. They're Mm. pissed off about everything right now. And you know they've got skill sets, so you know it's one of those things where be careful in what you're doing uh, because they also have you know a lot of them have a a capacity for violence, right? And you know these guys are they're they're done. Like I think everybody has just got kind of to about to that point where they're like, got you got to stop, you got to leave us alone, and you know, state as veterans, brother, it is uh it is a very very you know. Weird place. Now, if you know, if people are open to ideas, um, I I don't know, man. It worked for me. It was John Taylor Gatto opened my eyes to the idea that I'd at least been indoctrinated. I was ready for that um, to to you know to take that pill. And after I took that one, uh, it was just try to you know try to find a life wrap somewhere. Try to find some purchase, some some sort of reality um, out there, and keep you know, push and keep searching and stop believing everything that I was told. So maybe that's it is maybe some John Taylor Gatto.
0: Yeah. You know, I know that's kind of Shane Hazel's greatest hits, but w- talk about John Taylor Gatto. What, what does he talk about? And, uh, who, you know, how did, how did, how did his book end up on your bunk in a Marine tent or whatever Marines sleep in? I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was
1: a tent. Yeah, It was, it was a tent on, uh, the, the mech and pollution. Um, so when, when we go and train and everything else, like our little uh, platoon uh, and most of the company is just very avid readers. Uh, this is before Internet and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, you know, For, for the, like on your phone anyway. And so when you went places, you had a lot of downtime. Um, and, and during that time, the team leaders uh, through tradition were like, you're going to read books. You're going to bring something with you. You're going to learn either Marine Corps manuals or you can read something um, and, you know, maybe even pass it around. So between deployments and through training and everything else where you're, uh, deployed away from either the barracks or your home life or whatever the case is, you know, you come across guys that are extremely well-read, right? Guys have fantastic philosophical, you know, conversations, uh, share, you know, great books, whether it's, um, you know, like John Taylor Gatto, for instance, or, you know, uh, you know, books on war or just, just anything, um, that, you know, piques their interest. And sometimes a book will catch fire inside of a platoon, right? It's like, like, people are like, dude, have you read this? No, man. And then somebody else will chime in and say, oh, you've got to read this book, man. It's, it's, it's fascinating. And so um, my buddy, uh, I'll just call him Z, uh, was, uh, you know, kind of in my inner book club circle, we read a lot of the same stuff at the time. And he's like, Uh, well, the one before that was the emasculation of the American boy that he gave me. Mm -hmm. And then, um, he gave me this one and I was like, Oh man, like it it was the aha moment. It was Mm -hmm. that moment for me where John Taylor Gatto basically, you know, told everybody what school actually teaches, what the history of it was, why they don't teach the history of what the American school system is and where it's going to take America. And I was just like, "Oh, holy shit, man!" Like I just like to have that moment to be overseas serving a cabal after being, you know, indoctrinated since I was a kid. That was like that was that moment for me where I was like, "Yeah, you know what? I'm absolutely, absolutely receptive to this." And so I think that's why it stuck.
0: Yeah, and so Gatto was he was like teacher of the year in New York and stuff, right? Like he he was multiple years in a row. Yeah. So he was a big shot, like educator, like in the school systems who kind of knew this stuff and then wrote a oh. kind of wrote an expose, I guess.
1: 30 years and he wrote yeah. uh, multiple books. And the thing is, is, you don't get to be teacher of the year from the faculty, you get to be teacher of the year from the students. And so when you oh. got, yeah, when you've got okay. a teacher <laughs> who's writing books and speaking out against the school system in America and in New York and highlighting, how bad it is and what it actually does and continues to get teacher, you know, of the year, year after year for multiple years. It's like, boy, man, maybe we should figure out why this guy is who he is because it's definitely not the system that's propping him up.
0: Do you think there's any chance a teacher like that could keep their job today?
1: Oh man. you got, I don't know. I, I, I don't cancel culture being what it is. The system being what it is. I, I don't know. Maybe well, the not. Teachers
0: unions. I mean, man, they're, the teachers unions are single-handedly keeping kids out of school right now. Like, I mean, it's that's like that's like one of the most powerful forces in, in American culture right now. That's insane. Wow.
1: And thank God they are, right? So it, 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 that's a, a weird thing in America right now. Like, you know, the, this, the murder cult indoctrination youth camps, right? It's, yeah. it, you would think Republicans would be like, oh no, good. We don't need to ever send our kids back here ever again. Keep them shut down. Meanwhile, you've got the people from the progressive socialist communist side going, Oh, no, no, no. We need to definitely not be in school right now. Which, what? Like you're at the you're at the eve of a communist, you know, maybe a communist revolution of some sort or a communist revolution falling apart. I don't know. But I think, you know, the whole thing is on its head right now in terms of making sense.
0: It's yeah, it's almost like I don't, I don't know. Everything. Everything's kind of shifting right now. It's just weird how how that's happening. Uh, and again, with the, with the flags and all that stuff, we're all just kind of finding our tribes and not even really knowing that we're doing it. I think like, I, I God, I've made so many friends in the last year and a half. Like people, it's just weird. And I haven't like met them in person, but. <laughs> but <laughs> like, what do you do? You're like, like, Oh, these are my yeah, people. Yeah. Like we've, we've been talking non like ongoing conversations for a year and a half. Like, you know, I mean, we're all going to kind of descend on Orlando at Tom Woods's. 2000 thing and like don't tell anybody (laughs) (laughs) I know uh um so yeah that's good I mean all of this stuff it's so much fun I like I've been traveling more in the last year and a half than I have in my entire life just to meet up with people who I've never known so I guess that's one good thing to come out of all this um one bad thing to come out of all of this though is you know the vaccine passports that de Blasio's and acting and all that stuff. I asked you earlier if you think that um, we can get out of this nonviolently, and I don't even think that they're relying on, like, overt violence anymore. Michael Recktenwald talks about the, the Google archipelago, like, where they, you know, they don't even need gulags. Like, they, just, they, they can just cancel your Twitter account and you're yeah. silenced. Do you think that this kind of soft fascism has a future, or uh, are we going to overtake it somehow?
1: No, I, I think um, the blockchain is here to save us. Honestly, nice. and I I really see that as a just this giant hole in their whole plan. Like yeah. as as people have to get smart on blockchain, they're going to get smart on blockchain. And I've talked to uh, a lot of libertarians out there. Um, you know, the idea of you know this system called Hive that's coming. It's, it's it's not quite mature yet, but it's you know it's a different. It's a bunch of different platforms based on blockchain that are together um, and that's immutable social media it's immutable community and you know they'd have to shut the entire internet down to shut them down so nice. uh, you know to to have that as our way out to communicate uh, to to understand the value of maybe a cryptocurrency or multiple cryptocurrencies or things like that like this is going to be I think where the the plan really falls apart on top of the fact that America's got about half a billion guns that that we talk about. And I think there's probably another half a billion guns we don't talk about. And if you look around the world right now, it's America is quote unquote, the freest place on earth because they know they can't get away with this shit yet. Um, And not to mention all the heavy equipment and for this, you know, for all the bad, you know, that comes from, You know, "quote unquote" service to the country. You got a lot of dudes with a lot of experience right now that are real pissed off at you know the system and the government. And boy, you know the last the last people I want to fight are these battle hardened, very pissed off people that have said, "No, screw it." You know what? It's time to actually fight for liberty and justice and uh, and everything that we were told as kids. Like that's that's coming. Like if they don't stop and they don't leave us alone, like at some point. Oh, it's it's not what I want to see, but it's like yeah, it's it's a good deterrent in the meantime.
0: Just kind of as a quick aside, but related to what you're just saying, I actually was just on a call today with an admissions person at Kingsland University. Um, It's a you know it's a for profit. Place it's not it's not like an accredited state school or anything like that. Not that we need any more of those. But they have a they have a whole blockchain developer program that's tied in with their full stack developer program. They're giving scholarships and uh, they're kind of like the apprenticeship program. Fuck, what's the name of it? Jesus, Isaac, <laughs> Isaac Isaac Morehouse's thing. Anyway, it's kind of like that. They they're not charging tuition up front. You get a job then you pay them back. Um, and if anybody in the audience is interested in learning blockchain development um, or you're between jobs or whatever, totally get into it because it's exciting and it's going to be lucrative and it's going to change the world. So anyway, that's at kingslanduniversity.com. That was not an ad. They don't have an affiliate program or anything like that. I'm just I'm just like totally on board with them and I wish I could do it. If I wasn't 38 and already in a decent career, I'd probably just jump right on it. So uh, anyway, what um, – so if you, if you met a, like a vet just on the street today and they wanted to hear your elevator pitch for Liberty, what would you tell them?
1: Um, so I actually had this conversation in Michigan with a vet that was, um, another Marine, great guy, um, just wasn't down the road far enough. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, glad i I was older to, to have the patience, uh, you know, to sit there and say, Hey, listen, this isn't going to be easy for you. Right. Like, I was, I was where you are and I have kind of studied the point to where I am now. And Larry Sharp had given a great speech earlier that day is like, Hey, just because somebody says, Hey, I'm joining the libertarian party doesn't mean they're libertarian and there are different degrees. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, my pitch for Liberty with veterans is most of the time I find out where they are already primed to accept, um, liberty, you know, whether it's economics, whether it's culture, um, whether it's, you know, the criminal justice side of things, you know, wherever I can find common ground with them. And then, you know, maybe you slip them a little bit of knowledge, you know, the difference between somebody who's new to libertarianism, and somebody who's a complete anarchist, right, is time, it's study, it's, it's, it's diving into places that they never talked about, or never wanted you to find, and questioning, everything that you possibly can after you figure out like, Oh shit, it's all a lie. Like it's okay. So if it's all a lie, then what's the truth? Like you just have to get the hungry, worse to learning again. And, um, that's, you know, sometimes the hardest part, uh, one of the, one of the things I talk about, you know, a lot of times is just, you know, sharing your story with them because if you can sit there and tell them, Hey man, I was a neocon. Once upon a time, and I really, I was, I was dumb and I got played for a fool. and, you know, you kind of open yourself up to being vulnerable and human with them. You know, they're a lot more likely to do the same with you. And at that point, that's when you can start at least um, having a conversation. Mm -hmm. The, the idea also has to be in your own head is you've got to manage some expectations just because you introduce somebody to, you know, I don't know, economics in one lesson or something like that you know doesn't mean they're going to be an anarchist tomorrow it means they've got a long road ahead of them and you need to be patient and you need to maybe check in on them and and grow them and just you know love on them as much as you can because you remember what those years were like like you remember (laughs) like at first you were just pissed you were just mad at the world you're like you got all this you know you've got all this New information, and all you see is a bunch of idiots around you. So you want to take a fastball of truth and peg them right in the face with it. You're like, "Yeah, you're dumb as shit, you retard." And you're like, "That's not how this works, right?" It's like, back off. Give them a softball or two, you know, and 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 really help them that way. And and manage your own expectations of how fast you know they're going to digest. That's that's on them. That's not on you.
0: That's my biggest downfall. And, and that's, you know, I mean, it's it's why I don't feel like I'm a very good, like, ambassador for our cause. Man, I can go knock on people's doors and talk about a candidate all, all day long. I can write and interview people and stuff. But if you put me in front of somebody trying to, who's like, you know, who I consider to be not a good libertarian, oh my God, I am not winning over hearts and minds. I can all. be
1: there too. I, <laughs> trust me, I've, I've done the same thing. It's just like, oh man, I scared off an entire crowd of potential yeah. libertarians. <laughs> <laughs> been there.
0: <laughs> All right, cool. Um, I guess since you told your red pill moment, I was asked this the other day, and I had to think. When did you like go from minarchist to anarchist? And for me, I uh, I was listening to Lou Rockwell and Tom Woods, and I was a uh, I think it was Tom Woods. I know it was Lou Rockwell, uh, and I assume it was Tom. I had been a Ron Paul guy since you know whenever two thousand eight or whatever. And so I thought libertarianism equals the constitution because that's what Ron Paul was always talking about. And Lou Rockwell on this interview goes, no, I'm no fan of the constitution, but, and I was like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> what do you mean you're not a fan of the constitution? What does that even mean? You have mentioned a couple of times in this talk and a bunch of times on your podcast, the anti-federalists. And today I saw a tweet from Thomas Massey who uh, he said something like, um, oh, Thomas Massey is spreading extremist content, you know, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence, the Federalist Papers. Why don't you talk just for a minute about the Anti-Federalist Papers, what they are, who they were, um, and what got you into them?
1: Yeah, well, I needed to read the other side, right? I, yeah. I, I read the Federalists. I really had studied the Constitution as much as, you know, I think you can without developing a psychosis <laughs> <laughs> come out the other side like Judge Napolitano <laughs> right right and so you know I, I get to that point and in, in in this as I'm you know talking to one of my friends while I'm reading the Anti-Federalists they also introduced me to like Lysander Spooner and mm-hmm. so um to, to couple all these things together the Anti-Federalists a lot of anons uh first and foremost but uh Patrick Henry um and uh golly I wish I had a list of them right in front of me but these guys were the guys that said, no, we don't need another level of government. And by the way, a lot of states in the Northeast, like Rhode Island, they're already past slavery. They don't want to be a part of this shit. Like, you know, you're going to you're gonna regress a civilization and centralized power um, in a place where you're not going to be able to touch it. And it's just a stepping stone for bigger things. And so, you know, to talk about, you know, fear and how they use, you know, fear and money and everything else that they did, even, you know, the same thing they do today, it's the same modus operandi, um, they called every bit of it. And so I think that was kind of this slippery slope. And when I started picking up Rothbard, man, like at that point, uh, between, you know, Rothbard and the Mises Institute in general, boy, yeah. Jesus Christ, it's just like, you just get to that point to the very foundation of what the ideal society is. And it's based on the non-aggression principle and it's based on two very simple rules that you can teach a you don't hurt people and you don't take their stuff and nothing changes that not age, not, you know, not anything changes those two things. And so if you can be consistent across the board, um, you know, with, with that kind of principle and make it easy, you know, there's this great old saying that, uh, the genius of design is simplicity, right? And, that's it like that's where i get to is like look man i'm a peaceful person out here on the mountain not hurting anybody um you know if if that's cool and you're cool like we can be cool kind of, kind of <laughs> the deal it's like i don't care if you're part of a commune man as long as you don't you know force me in your stupid commune like i don't care what you do over there cool by all means you want to do goat stuff do goat stuff you <laughs> want to grow things like i don't care like it's it's really your thing
0: cool all right, well, I have learned more about the Anti-Federalists from your podcast than I did in, you know, however many years of school I've done. So uh, you have done the world of service. What's weird is that, you know, I mean, it's people like Patrick Henry and Sam Adams and John Hancock. I mean, these are people, you know, we've all heard of. We just didn't know that they were part of this, like, faction of, like, actual dissidents who were, like, opposed to the heroes that we learned about in school. It's insane. Well, it, amazing,
1: amazing to think that 10 years prior to... These guys being anti-federalists, they were the leading names in the liberty movement, right? And you're like, where did they go and what did they do in this time? And they fought like hell. They were not about to see everything they had fought for go centralized into a new kingdom. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, not at the time in D.C., but on its way to D.C. for sure.
0: All right. Awesome. Well, why don't you plug your stuff and we can we can get out of here.
1: Hey man, I appreciate you having me on first and foremost. Thank yeah. you very, very much. It's been it's been it, this has been cool. Um uh, radicalpod.com is where you can find me and uh, Shane T. Hazel on Twitter. Uh, if you're into spicy Twitter uh, kind of stuff, that's it's nice a follow Yeah, it's it's I have fun, man. I'm not trying to be a dick all the time, but you know, there's some things that you know can <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> it can be fun. Like I think it's it's more like I I see it as more comedy than anything on there. But yeah, that's it. And uh I appreciate everything. Thank you so
0: much. Awesome. Thanks, Shane. See you later. All right, thanks again to Shane for joining me today. thanks to you, as always, for tuning in. Don't forget to check out Matt over at agristtaxadvice.com slash Blackbird to schedule your absolutely free consultation with an attorney, tax specialist, and agorist. If you enjoy these interviews and would like to get a little bit of bonus content at the beginning of each one, and would like to get them a week, two weeks, even three weeks early, head over to blackbirdpodcast.com and sign up for one of the paid options. Right now, I believe it's only $7 a month. And once again, that's gonna get you early access to the episodes, a little bit of pre-show banter, along with any other bonus content that I put out. And I promise you there's gonna be even more of that coming in the very near future. If sending me money isn't your thing, that's perfectly fine you can head to blackbirdpodcast.com and sign up for free as well. Just put your email address in the box. That will make sure that you're notified anytime I put out any content, whether it be episodes of this show along with the show notes or written content, which I'm putting out a little bit more frequently now. Another way you can support the show is of course to leave a rating and review at iTunes. I really appreciate anybody who does that. So thanks again for listening and I will see you on the next episode of Blackbird. Until then, live free.